Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Uh, My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Market Alliance Church. And uh, this is a different opportunity for me. Usually I am behind the scenes. I'm the one with the stressed face running around, trying to not look stressed, um, and trying to let everything unfold the way it should. But sometimes I get a little uh, too serious. So if you see me, I'm a little too serious. Just tell me to relax, and that's perfectly okay, because everything is uh, under control. Everyone uh, does a great job. Um, And so Jonathan has been doing the series, rolling it out, and I don't know if you get the Saturday uh, update or not, but he did a fantastic description of what um, I was going to talk about this morning, and someone should really do a sermon about that, but that's not what I'm going to talk about, although I am going to land on prayer, so hold on to that thought for a second, okay? Um, I feel like a little bit it's story time with Rex and Chris, because that, that story, I just want you to really spend some time on that this morning. And as I was thinking, yes, prayer is something I really have on my heart to share with you. I usually talk about prayer when I get up here. But after a three-week vision series, what God had put on my heart was really to talk about this story of breakfast on the beach. So let's try and tie that all in together, and hopefully you will go on this journey with me. I've been at NAC uh, a long time and seen many statements of our vision statement come and go. But the essence of who we are, the building blocks of that have not changed. And so um, I want to uh, just kind of give you a little bit of a a push maybe of what happens after that vision statement is developed. Um, I certainly think this is the shortest one we've had. Um, under, under Jonathan's watch. <laughs> yeah. Some of you know that we could script it pretty good. But as Jonathan said in the first series, or the first in this series, you can't really do much with the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, but we strive to make something that's our own. And if you look at other churches' mission statements, and as a staff we've looked at a lot, there's only so many ways that you can make it personal. But I think we have something here. And I hope that if you're newer to NAC, or um, newish, as we like to say, um, that you can feel some momentum building here. Or maybe you just think this is normal, and that's great. If you're excited about where we're headed, that, that's fantastic. But we have come out of a bit of a sleepy phase, and sometimes uh, terrifying might be a little bit too strong of a word, but we certainly weren't sure sometimes where things were headed. And so we've had a few years of waiting and anticipating the next step. And thankfully, with um, the leadership that I share with Jonathan and Glenn, we have kept trying to move things forward. And I can't say enough, we are so thankful to God's 
faithfulness to us through this time and to those of you that have been steadfast through these difficult times. Last Sunday, Christina um, reminded me that just a year ago, uh, often Flannery was the only one attending um, children's ministry upstairs, often by herself. And we actually took a pause from programming um, upstairs because of the few kids in attendance and the, the lack of volunteers that we had. So we have come a long way in, in a year. And through all that, the vision kept coming together. We were coming out of lockdowns and restrictions. More people were comfortable coming back. More people checking us out. Some of you found us online. Um, Most churches were having the same same situation. And as a staff, we tried different versions. You know, what would fit on a t-shirt? What makes sense? Um, What will communicate? The elders, they had to test drive it. They had to sharpen it. They had to approve it. Um, And Pastor Jonathan kept championing, we have to land, we have to land this plane. And again, I can imagine if you're newer here, you could say, why is this great church only at this place now? It's a great question. I ask that all the time. But in, in God's faithfulness and God's journey, this is where we are and this is where we are now going to move ahead from. Um, Our vision is that everyone at any point on their spiritual journey would authentically come to know Jesus, grow in community, and then go and be the church. And we have had three weeks of teaching We Are Knack, where Jonathan has been laying it out for you. And if you've missed one of those, I'd encourage you to go back and and listen to those, because I think they are important building blocks. I hope you feel something stirring, and I hope that there is a sense that you want to be a part of this, committing to something that you see that's bigger than just yourself. And I, am, I, am, I hope that if there's something we can do to help you on that journey, you would come and talk to us. So in preparation for today, I was thinking about Peter and his journey to get behind the vision that Jesus was preparing for his disciples. Jesus had given them three years of prepping that vision. And Peter was not only a disciple, he was a close friend of Jesus and one of his inner circle. He would have had lots of opportunity to hear Jesus' heart and to see him in action. But Peter struggled to be all in. And in the first half of Peter's story in the Gospels, we see him figuring things out. It's about the rough edges, his journey to be a leader. We know that God had an important leadership role for him because we know the end of the story. But as he was working it out, there was a lot to learn. It's about his development And it's certainly not a perfect one. And one of those Bible heroes that I always appreciate, one of my favorites, because he had this deep passion for Christ, he had this enthusiasm, but he was real, he was brash, he was stumbling sometimes, he even made mistakes. His walk to maturity was not straight. And his call was without the skill set that he was gonna require, which I find that encouraging. I don't know if you do, but that has often been important in my life. And there's this tension between his passion and his struggle to full-on faith and surrender. So some examples, in Matthew 14, he jumps out of the boat, and I know you probably know the story, he's full of passion and he walks on water. Wow! But then he sinks. When he realizes what he's doing, he sees the storm again and takes his eyes off Jesus. So he focuses on the storm and takes his eyes off Jesus. 
Then in Matthew 26, this is a key, key part of Peter's story, we read about Peter's denial. So Peter declared, okay, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, no, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you before the rooster crows, sorry, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So then later in 26, we get another example. Jesus pours his heart out to the disciples. And these words um, that, Matthew, that Matthew writes, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus says that to his disciples. Pretty clear. He's, he's like, this is serious, guys. They fall asleep. Jesus comes back. He wakes them up and says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He's saying, I get it, guys. I get it. This is hard. This is really, really hard, but I really, really need you right now. They fall asleep. Jesus comes back a third time. And actually this time he says, go ahead, have your rest. He lets them off the hook. Jesus knew that his time was up. And then you have his arrest in the garden. Then the disciples scatter in the woods. And that was probably the last chance that they had to be together in that way with Jesus before he was crucified. And then we come to Peter's denial. So in verse 69, I'm going to read a couple verses. It says, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were um, one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later on, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And this is the part that I want you to catch. This is the really important part, not his mistake, not his mistake. Suddenly, this is verse 75, suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. I don't want you to miss this. He went away weeping bitterly. The tension is so obvious. Can Peter actually be that passionate and that full of beans at the same time? Yeah, and so can I. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you can be in church and hear this great message. You can be so fired up. And then, or, or let's say you read your Bible and, and you just, you're so inspired by something you've read. And moments after you leave church or after you've closed your Bible, a challenge comes along, a small task. And all of a sudden you shy away because you're not sure that you can accomplish it. He denied Jesus to a servant girl. This was not the angry mob at that moment. 
We don't know if the crowd had intentions to hurt him or not. But I think the fact that it was a servant girl is important to us. I'm so thankful that Peter's story doesn't end there. And we skip ahead, okay? Jesus was crucified. They lost their best friend violently, no less. The pressure and tension around Jerusalem must have been crazy at that time. They were afraid, even for their own lives. They weren't at all organized, and the Holy Spirit hadn't landed on them yet. So you could say that they were without vision, there was no game plan, and maybe they even wondered if the way, the movement that they were a part of was, was over. It was pretty likely that they could think by scattering that this was done, they were finished. And then they experience Jesus alive again. He comes back to life. And can you imagine their struggle trying to figure this out? But they have seen Jesus now, and there are reports of other sightings. And now we get to this story that Rex read, Breakfast on the Beach. It's the third recorded time that Jesus appears to the disciples, and only John actually shares this story. We know John is also a close friend of Peter's, and this would have been really important to him as well. So the account is that they're fishing, they caught nothing. Seems like a common theme, isn't it, with them? Anyways, and do you find it odd that as soon as Jesus was gone, they went back to fishing? They were called not to be fishermen, they were called to be fishers of men. Anyways, maybe they were just providing for their families. I don't know. It's a great story to meditate on. There's so many dynamics. Anyways, Jesus calls out to them. They don't know who it is, and he gives them advice to switch the nets to the other side, and they catch a boatload of fish. And then they realize, John and Peter realize, it's Jesus. So Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to him. Again, this is where we can focus on his character. He gets it. He doesn't let his feelings of disappointment, he doesn't let his mistakes keep coming back to him. He runs to Jesus. He knows that he loves him. He, he embraces him. The friendship that he has with Jesus is more important even than his denial. He loves him and he knows that Jesus is his forever friend. I think the fact that he ran shows us that he knew he would be welcomed. And this is a defining moment for Peter. And I love that we get to have this in his story. Jesus is there. He made breakfast for them. And I think food, if I can say on the side, food should be a part of every one of our gatherings. It's just so significant to bring people together. Jesus used food all the time. If you're looking for a way to go deeper with your small group, just serve a strudel. Thank you, Raquel, for that strudel on Thursday. And it's beautiful. Jesus does not condemn Peter, okay? But he does test him. He plays with him a bit, and he pushes him. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. No. No, do you love me? Then go and feed my sheep. Peter says, yes, Lord. A third time, Jesus says it again. Do you love me? Now, Peter knew the significance of three times, and John says Peter was hurt by this. Okay, that's how he records it. He was hurt by this. Now, you might think, Jesus was perfect, okay? So it's hard for me to think about him hurting his friend. Jesus didn't hurt him. Peter was hurt, okay? Are we not so sensitive? 
are we not so sensitive sometimes that we take offense to things that were meant for our own good? A good dose of admonishment is sometimes exactly what we need. It's not wrong or harsh, but it's good for our soul. And Jesus was calling him to action in the perfect way that Peter would understand. The three times was significant, and it really got down deep. Jesus said, do you love me? I feel this exchange is where Peter finally draws his line in the sand, and he says, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And I think there was a connection, and Jesus simply says back to him, then feed my sheep. And now, it's on Peter. So that brings us to Peter's second part of this journey. And so he's had this encounter, he's had this recognition of what's happened, but he has a chance now to move ahead. So we have Acts, at this point we enter Acts 1 to 17, and we see example after example of who Peter became. After Jesus' ascension to heaven and the Holy Spirit coming upon the people, you see Peter taking charge. He's the one that makes sure that Judas's place is filled with another apostle. You see him teaching. You see him standing in front of big crowds, saying things like, For it is written, let me explain this to you. Men of Israel, listen to me. Brothers, I can tell you confidently. Those are the words. In Acts, we read, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. There is confidence, boldness, clarity, conviction. And then we get to Acts 2, and we've read this every week. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They saw something in them and the fellowship and to sharing in the meals. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Amen. So incredible. Could we imagine a time of harvest like this, a bounty, a richness of reaching souls for Jesus? Wow, a revival? How are we going to accomplish this? We have a vision. How? How are we going to do this? Well, I have a couple of thoughts. Together. We're going to do this together. This vision is only one in a million. I understand. We could tweak it. We could change it. But it's ours. And if you are here, it's yours. Come to know Jesus. Grow in community and go be the church. Let's lean on each other. The disciples were a band of brothers, and in the early days of the church, they never needed that more. They didn't even know when they were building those relationships how important they would become. We had a great meeting with our small group leaders last week, and I'm sure you're going to hear more about that. But there was enthusiasm, and in a growing church, leadership starts to grow. And I think as we get closer and closer to meeting the needs, we're not there yet. We don't have enough leaders to meet all the needs. But we're not perfect, and we're not there yet, but we're also knowing and growing. 
Patience. I'm going to ask you to have patience. We are all a work in progress. Peter's example developed over time. No church is perfect, but if NAC is perfectly imperfect for you, then come and join us on the journey. We want you to be part of it, and we know you're on a journey. Thankfulness. Today, Thanksgiving, we remember to be thankful, but it's a call to be thankful every day, to speak life over the body, to speak life over this church. Thankful for what God has done in the past and what he is going to do in the future. And to do it all with prayer and humility. Too many times, and and the sad thing is that in the church, we have heard story after story where greatness in the church is met with ego and heroism. Well, Peter felt his disappointments when he made mistakes, but he didn't choose to hide them. He didn't choose to shove them under the carpet. It actually says he wept bitterly because he knew he hurt his Lord and Savior. 1 Peter 4, 7, he says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Peter goes on to talk about loving each other and offering hospitality to one another, using your gifts, administering God's grace, speaking God's heart, and serving with God's strength. I think we can believe him because of his journey, his life story, his personality didn't change. Even though we see him on mission now, we read 1 Peter, 2 Peter, incredible words. I'm sure he made mistakes and he had to repent for those. He still had moments of short-sightedness or rashness, but you can't deny his legacy, perfectly imperfect. In 1 Peter 5, 6, he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. His time came and he embraced his call. How did he do it? Leaning on his team, patience, thankfulness, prayer, humility. And I think part of his team was also his family. And this is a part of the story that we don't, we don't know completely. We don't get the whole picture of how the apostles managed their ministry and their family life. But we do know that Peter had a family. We know that he was married. We know that Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So family had to play into the mix. And we also know that the group that traveled together with Jesus was more than just the disciples, that there were people serving as the team was together. We know in Acts 2 that the church included a larger body, not just the disciples doing everything. Peter writes about the older generation speaking into the younger generation. A lot about respect. He addresses marriage, and he hugely commissions shepherds to guard the flock and be examples. And I believe we have to do all of this with and for our kids. Your kids, adult, if adult kids, King's kids, tiny treasures, they're important. They're important to this body, and they function as part of this unit. And so today, we want to give more emphasis on being together as a family. And so we share communion. Be watchful, be aware, be accountable, be transparent. The word watchman really stuck out to me, and I did a little bit of research back into the sources that I, I have, I'm familiar with. And what is a spiritual watchman? 
And so I came across this definition from Dutch Sheets. Some of you will know early 2000. I guess we're doing a little bit of a retro tour here today. Um, it's, a, it's a great, great um, series on intercession and prayer. But he says that the watchmen, they give attendance to reading, meditation, and prayer. Will often call on divine aid on account of their own insufficiency, are faithful soldiers that are careful to understand their duty. The spiritual watchmen will adhere closely to the word for God, for guidance and direction, of God, for guidance and direction. We need to have an active prayer life, and that's something we should all aspire to. It's, it's humbling for me to talk to you about this because my own prayer life is not at all where I want it to be. But I do want to grow in the area of prayer and intercession and listening to God. I'm so thankful that you are plugging into the abide um, small group. If we abide in him, John 15, 4 says, Remain in me and I remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I encourage you to, to study that material and, and make it your own. I think it's our lifeline as the body. If we can't carry a burden, we have to take it to prayer. If we can't see an answer to a situation... We have to take it to prayer. If things don't make sense, we have to take it to prayer. If we feel underqualified, take it to prayer. If we feel that we are walking on water, don't take your eyes off Jesus. Continue to pray. And when you are overflowing with thankfulness, just let it spill out in prayer. Let it spill out in prayer. Humility is the only way, and you can only come to prayer with humility. And that's the way that Jesus' light will be the brightest light. And it's Jesus that makes us great. It's Jesus that fuels our success and redeems our failures. I hope that you can see today how much Peter's example shows us this. Again, from the book Watchman Prayer, I just want to read you a little section so that I can leave you with this, this, this story of Peter, but also this call to prayer. When the watchmen are functioning properly, we need never be caught off guard by Satan and his forces. As watchmen, we do not live in fear of our adversary, nor do we live in ignorance of him. Contrary to what some would teach, alertness and vigilance are not synonymous with preoccupation. I must warn you, it is a common tactic of the enemy to dissuade Christians from watching for him by accusing them of a wrong emphasis. Sadly enough, this message is often purported by well-meaning Christians. They teach that Satan is to be ignored or that little attention is to be paid to him. No passage in the Bible actually supports this. Certainly, we are not to become infatuated with Satan. But a good soldier is well-informed concerning his enemy. Be infatuated with and in awe of Jesus. Be aware of the enemy. Love worship, not warfare. But when necessary, go to war. I want to encourage you to keep using the open mic as well. Um, Cassandra, your word the other week from Joshua 6, it's important and it's timely. The walls did not come down because of the soldiers' weapons or because of their skill. 
The walls came down because they were worshiping and they gave a shout, okay? We also had Monica and Kelly and we had this great song again today, Lion of Judah, it's loud. And I think some cobwebs were shaken out of this building during that, but the lion comes with a roar. That is the God we serve. We serve an almighty creator and God of heaven. We can come to him and we can ask for things and we can give him those burdens. Jonathan talked about it again at the end of his message last Sunday. He said, nothing of great kingdom impact will happen without prayer. Are we willing to pray? It's a good vision. We're a good church. We have a lot still to accomplish together. We need patience, thankfulness in our hearts, each one to be part of the team, humble to serve, humble to abide in Jesus, but some of the work needs to be done on our knees. And it's a perfect time for us to invite the kids to come on in. We want the kids to come back and finish off the service actually with our kids with us. Um, I have a little activity. It's a little bit off the grid, and I don't mean to switch you too abruptly. I'm sure you can process all those things. And if God is speaking to your heart about some of these things, just let them be prompts. Let the, they're, they're not my words. Just let the Holy Spirit Let these things soak on you this week, this afternoon. I don't know, whenever God prompts you, think about how you are like Peter. You are fully equipped for what he calls you to do. And he will redeem whatever happens along the journey. Okay, so Smarties. I don't know if you can hear the Smarty boxes. If I can get um, our ushers to please help us at this point, we're going to hand out a box of Smarties to everyone. Okay, this is your chance, all right? Not just the kids. The kids are bringing this as something for all of us to do. All right, so don't open your box yet, though, okay? They're holding on to them. They're shaking. You're going to get a postcard also that explains a little bit about this prayer activity, okay? So each color represents something to pray for. And in every box, there's a different combination of colors. I want to trust that you're all going to get the same amount, but you're not going to get the same colors, okay? So I, I know that, or I'm going to trust that it's equal, but it's all different. It's kind of like us too. So yellow, if you get yellow, these are things about God we appreciate. You're going to say things that you appreciate about God. If you have red, these are things that we're waiting for in the future. If you have orange, the things that you are thankful for. If you have pink, you're going to pray for people you love. Okay? Purple, pray about things at work or at home. Okay? What needs God's touch? Is there healing? Do you need a miracle for anything? Is there a praise report? Okay, that's purple. Blue, pray about the things that you're worried about. Create the things that create anxiety or the things that create frustration. And green, well, what are those things God is telling you that you should listen to? What are the good practices you're ignoring? Things we've done wrong that we need to confess. And what are the things that God wants to make right? I'm sorry if you have a couple green in there, but it's out of my control. All right. God is ready to listen whenever we stop, but sometimes it helps to have a prop. So let's spend a couple of minutes. Um, Everyone has their Smarties. Pour your Smarties in your hand. 
um, share what you have with your family or those around you and take a couple of minutes. We're going to get the band to um, play a little bit of music. It's okay if it gets a little bit louder in here. Take a couple minutes, see what you got, and, and pray. Pray for a couple things on, on that list. <laughs> 